for those of you who might have just showed up recently, Ross and Barb are celebrating their anniversary, and so they're out of town, and so Ross asked me to teach, and I said no a couple of times, then I said yes, so here I am, but um, you guys know I like to brag about Ross when I come up here because he's an amazing pastor, and it's and he doesn't tell me to do this, I just do it, you know, my uncle was like, make sure you say something nice about me uh, when I'm gone. Um, but Ross, is, he's taught me a lot of things, and one of the things that, that he's taught me um, is that it's good for a, a guest speaker or somebody who fills in to bring a word of encouragement. So tonight, I'm going to talk about um, death. <laughs> be warm and be filled. Actually, I'm going to talk about what happens after death, <laughs> namely the resurrection. I love the resurrection. It is my... I think my favorite topic. Now, I listened to a message from two years ago, uh, February 2010, because I realized that I, I might have preached this message already, and I was like, oh, no. So I listened to it, um, and it's from 1 Corinthians 15, which we're going to be there tonight if you want to turn there. And uh, I was afraid I was going to preach the same message, and it's actually kind of an addition to that message. We are going to cover some of the same stuff, but I also realized that if I couldn't remember that I preached that message, you guys wouldn't remember either. So I'm going to give it to you again. So perfect. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you can turn there. I'm going to pray one more time before we get started here. Oh, Lord, I do, I do thank you, Lord. You're so faithful and gracious to us, Lord. You have enabled us to have uh, these wonderful resources, this, this building and, and all the resources you've given us to come here and to worship you on a regular basis. And... Um, Lord, we thank you that you have given us these things uh, so that uh, we can bring glory to you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we open your word and use the resources you've given us, uh, that you, Holy Spirit, would illuminate the truths of it to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to kind of start with a movie because I'm a movie buff here. In the, in the classic 1991 comedy, What About Bob?, how many of you have seen it? Yeah, it's a great movie. Okay, some of you haven't, so I'll explain kind of the gist of the movie. A successful psychiatrist, Dr. Leo Marvin, played by Richard Dreyfus, loses his mind after Bob Wiley, played by Bill Murray, one of his most dependent patients in a highly manipulative, obsessive compulsive, tracks him down during his family vacation. Against Dr. Leo's wishes, but because of his concern about seeming inhospitable, Bob, who happens to be afraid of almost everything, pretty much everything, stays with the family. One night, while sharing a room with Dr. Leo's son, Siggy, named after Sigmund Freud, Bob is confronted with a fearful reality by the 12-ish-year-old boy. And the dialogue goes like this. They're laying in bed, right? Bob's over here. Siggy's here. About to go to sleep. It's all dark. And Siggy starts off. He says, Bob? Yeah? Are you afraid of death? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. There's no way out of it. You're going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to happen. And what difference does it make if it's tomorrow or in 80 years? Much sooner in your case. <laughs> Do you know how fast time goes? I was six, like yesterday. 
Me too. <laughs> I'm going to die. You're going to die. What else is there to be afraid of? That's a scene, end scene. Right. Thank you. I didn't take drama, okay? So I'm sorry. Well, according to the Bible and our own experience for that matter, Siggy was right. Uh, only he failed, obviously, to go on to another very important truth that we're going to talk about tonight, the hope secured by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so i uh, give you a little bit of background for 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul, in this chapter, he's reminding the Corinthians, the church there in Corinth, about the importance of the gospel. And really, he's pinpointing more the importance on the resurrection because Corinth was in Greece, modern-day Greece, and, and they had a, um, an influence by the Grecian culture having to do with the resurrection. They did not believe in the resurrection. And so people were coming into the church and saying, there's, there's no resurrection, that's ridiculous. They're uh, telling the, the church in Corinth that there's impossibilities, it's not logical for the resurrection, we've never seen it happen, these kinds of things. And so the, the, the church in Corinth was having doubts regarding the resurrection. And so Paul came in to remind them of that fact. And so we're going to pick up in verse 12 and uh, read through verse 20 here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Paul's answer to the Corinthians. He says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So we're going to consider, actually, this passage tonight. But, uh, you know, bear, bear with me because I'm going to come back to this text kind of towards the end as I build up to the main points uh, of the message tonight. So, but there are, there are two points for tonight to consider for those of you uh, that are taking notes. Um, having to do with the resurrection, the fact of the resurrection brings power in our living, power in our living, and power in our preaching. So power in our living, power in our preaching. The fact of the resurrection has, has many implications for our lives, as many of you know. First of all, the resurrection was, was not a new idea, but was prophesied in the Old Testament. Um, a few examples are God gestured toward the resurrection in the beginning right after the fall in Genesis chapter 3 he said to the devil I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel that's Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 the resurrection was also foreshadowed in the account of Abraham and Isaac God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac as an example of obedience but listen to what 
Abraham says to his servants before he and Isaac ascend the hill where Isaac was to be sacrificed. He says this. He said to the servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5. And the writer of Hebrews says this about the event. He says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. That's Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. The resurrection was also foretold by the prophets. We read earlier in uh, for our call to worship in Psalm 16 that you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will, let you, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Psalm 16, verse 10. And there's several, several other um, mentions, mentionings of and prophetic uh, mentionings of the resurrection in the Old Testament. And the resurrection uh, not only was mentioned in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it is the core of the gospel, and it's necessary for salvation. Let's take a look at the first few verses of chapter 15 here, where Paul reminds the Corinthians of the gospel. He says in verse 1, we'll read verses 1 through 5, he says in verse 1, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. The resurrection, you know, is the event that validates the whole of the gospel. It's uh, kind of the capstone or the cornerstone, the archway uh, uh, stone of the gospel. Uh, that's why Paul spends uh, the next few verses after those that we read emphasizing uh, Jesus' appearance to people after the resurrection. He's essentially saying, look, uh, Jesus raised from the dead and he was seen by hundreds of people. End of story. This event actually took place. The resurrection, like I said before, is the keystone of the, in the archway of the gospel. You have all the facts about the gospel. You have Jesus' deity. You have his virgin birth. You have his miracles, his sinless life, his death on the cross and his burial, his forgiveness of sins, his giving of the Holy Spirit, his ability to change lives. And right in the middle um, of it all is the resurrection from the dead. It's the core of the gospel. And it's necessary for our salvation. Look again at verse 2 there in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And the Bible says that Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. That's Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. And that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Romans 10, 9 through 10. A lot of you have heard these verses, but I figured Paul says I'm going to remind you of something, so boom, here's a reminder to you. It's biblical to hear things over and over again. 
Believing in the resurrection is an essential part and the hope, really, of our salvation. And finally, the fact of the resurrection gives us the power to live for God. And this is because, as believers, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, as believers, is living inside of us. The Bible says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That's Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. And we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. In other words, because of the resurrection, your life no longer needs to be controlled by sin, or by others, or by the world, or by the influence of Satan. No, I don't have to stare at the girl jogging down the sidewalk. I don't have to click on that web page. I don't have to stop by the liquor store or the bar. I don't have to give in to drugs. I don't have to keep my own little secrets. I don't have to tell secrets or gossip about others. I don't have to burst out in anger against my wife or my kids. I don't have to hide my insecurities or my shortcomings. I don't have to care what others think about me or whether they will accept me. I don't have to look for, for, for fulfillment in another girl or another guy. I shouldn't do any of these things any of these things, we shouldn't be doing these things. And now through the resurrection, I have the power not to do them. God has given me the power through the truth and the fact of the resurrection not to live a life of sin. But I have been crucified with Christ so that when I was raised with him, I may live that new life as the scripture teaches us. And uh, not that we become perfect, obviously, when uh, we come to, to know Christ and, and receive him as our Savior and as our Lord and walk with Him and trust Him. But we do disregard and reckon our old nature dead in our lives. And we don't want that old nature to manifest itself in our lives. And when it does, we need to come to the cross, sit before the Lord, confess our sin, repent of our sin, turn back towards Him, and He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we don't have to be in bondage to sin any longer. I don't have to give in. I don't have to give up, give myself away, or give way to fear, including, and here it is, the fear of death. The fear of death. The Bible says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. Uh, I had the privilege of sharing at the Christian club at Rancho Katati High School last month, early December, I think. And uh, I went there just to hang out. Somebody else was going to speak, and uh, they were running late, and so I saw a room full of students, so I decided... To open my mouth and speak, and I said as much as I possibly could in the 15 minutes that I had as they were sitting there eating their lunch. And if you can, if you can uh, kind of imagine, there's somewhere between eight, eight or ten students there for Christian Club, and they're at their table. We're in this big lab classroom, and the teacher there uh, is a Christian, and so he lets them use 
the, the uh, classroom, and it's pretty neat. So you, it's a large classroom, so you have the Christian club there who has kind of access and free right to the room through, uh, through their club. And then there's, a, there's another table with all these students sitting around it, and then like, there's this guy working on the ceiling, and, uh, and then there's some adults in there. They're hanging out around the table and, and talking. You know, Everybody's kind of quiet because they know the Christian club is happening. So I just let them have it. I didn't know what I was going to share, but I just thought, man, I'm going to talk about the resurrection. And so there was, um, there was a few girls there who were uh, not a part of the Christian club. They were part of the yearbook club, and they were there to take a picture of the Christian club. And they were sitting on the, uh, on, against the desk, and they were just like looking like this, you know, waiting, their camera sitting there. So I asked one of the girls before we started, I said, have you ever heard of the resurrection? She said, no, I've never heard of it. I said, have you heard the gospel? She said, no, never heard the gospel. And so I began to share the truth about the resurrection. I talked about uh, um, proofs of the resurrection. I really, I really love ap apologetics. Uh, apologetics is, is just a, um, a study or a discipline where you um, answer questions regarding the faith, whether it's from skeptics or atheists or even from Christians. Uh, the Bible says in, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, Set apart Christ in your hearts as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to those who ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And that word um, answer in there, the defense, is the word apologia in the Greek, and it's where we get our word apologize. And so, helpful hint for you guys, I've learned that when I say I apologize, it doesn't mean I'm sorry. <laughs> it means I have a good reason for why I did what I did. And I'll share that, you know, reason with you. But that's where we get the word apologetics. And so, um, anyways, I love apologetics. Um, so I started talking about the resurrection. And the table, the conversation at the table with the, with the students that weren't there for Christian Club, the conversation kind of died down. And I noticed they were kind of leaning in and listening. And the guy in the ceiling was looking down every once in a while. There was like insulation falling on his head because he wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. And it was awesome. I, I just had an opportunity to share there with these believers and with these non-believers, students and adults, um, the truth of the resurrection. And after we, um, after uh, the bell rang and everybody kind of scattered, I asked a few of the students who weren't there for the Christian club, I said, what do you think about that? And they said, oh, that was very interesting. I've never heard anything like that before. And I asked another student as we were walking off campus that I saw uh, who was in the room, I said, what did, what did you think about that? And she said, oh, that was, it gave me a lot to think about. I never heard anything. I said, would you come back to Christian Club, you know, if there was more conversation like that? She said, yeah, I would. So I don't know what, what's going to happen there, but I know there's a good work going on at the Christian Club at Rancho Gatati and at Annalee, the Christian Clubs um, pray for the, the campuses, for the um, high school and junior high campuses. There's just a death grip of the enemy in those schools, and the students are looking for answers and uh, they're reluctant to get them from anybody, but as you build trust and, and show them that you have answers uh, for the hope that you have, then uh, it's interesting how, how they'll turn their ear and listen. So, you know, there, there are a lot of Bob Wileys in the world, obviously. You talk about the resurrection, you know, people are afraid of death. I was afraid of death before I was a Christian. How could you, how could you not be afraid of death? The Bible calls it our enemy. It's the last enemy to be destroyed. And so uh, there's a lot of Bob Wileys in the world, and they want to hear answers because of their fear of death. Well, let's go on to our second point. 
and that is the resurrection, the fact of the resurrection that brings power in our preaching. This is really my heart to talk to you about tonight. The last point was just think about the resurrection because if Jesus really raised from the dead and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, doesn't that mean logically that you have the ability to um, conquer sin in your life, to avoid sin, to not uh, succumb to temptation? The fact of the resurrection is very powerful and it gives us hope in our life, power in our life. It also gives us power in our preaching. If the resurrection has powerful implications in our lives, it certainly has powerful implications in our preaching. In fact, I believe the resurrection is the grand finale of persuasion in the gospel message. And um, I didn't put this here, but I was thinking about it earlier. Uh, look, just look at the, at the gospel message. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, basically it boils down to this uh, in that little creed there. He said, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared. So essentially, Christ died. He was buried. He was raised. And he was seen. And uh, think about those four elements of the gospel. All of them, there's, there's three of them that are natural in essence. It's natural for people to die. People get buried every day. It's an encouraging message here. <laughs> and uh, people are seen every day. But there's one thing in that message that's supernatural, and that's the resurrection. Now, of course, the work that Christ accomplished on the cross is supernatural as well, the forgiving of sins. But many people died on the cross. Many people were buried. Many people were seen. But not many people have raised from the dead. That's why I believe there's power in the resurrection because if there is good evidence that the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened, then it means serious implications for us and for those who do not yet believe. And so just look at the experience. You can look at the experience of the apostles in the early church. Henry Thiessen and his Lectures in Systematic Theology, a very boring book, don't read it, <laughs> says, no, it's not, boring. it's not boring to me, but it might be to you. He says... All through the book of Acts, the emphasis of the apostolic preaching... Well, see, you're falling asleep already. Let me read that again. <laughs> All through the book of Acts, the emphasis of the apostolic preaching was upon the resurrection of Christ. And uh, we see that here. I'll give you a few examples. Peter said, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. That's Acts 2.24. And God raised this Jesus to life... And we are all eyewitnesses of this fact. 2.32, this is Acts. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. 3.15, God raised up his servant. 3.26, whom God raised from the dead. 4.10, but God raised him from the dead. 10.40, and Paul said the same thing in 13.30-37. Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Acts 17.18. And, you know, it's all throughout the New Testament letters as well, the fact of the resurrection. It is the central message of the gospel. It was the central message that was preached then, and I believe it, it should be the central message that's preached today. We did a, um, a thing in the high school group the last few weeks, and uh, you can ask the high schoolers that are in this room about it during the break and see how well uh, they're doing with this. But um, actually, for the last few months, what we've done is 
Uh, we've done a little devotion, and then we've had an activity. And during that activity, we were pulling students uh, out of the um, activity and sitting with them with a few uh, leaders. And very in intimidating, but we've tried to make it as comfortable and as scary as possible. <laughs> and we would have each of the students um, explain to us their understanding of the gospel because it got to a point where there was new students coming in and I didn't have an opportunity to touch base with every student or share with every student or see what, where every student was in their relationship with the Lord. And so I really wanted to find out where every student in the youth group was in their understanding of the gospel. You know, I've talked to people who, who said, yeah, I went to youth group, you know, they're older now. They said, yeah, I went to youth group when I was younger, you know, I don't go to church now, I didn't really get much out of it. And I asked them about the gospel and they have no idea. And I thought, wow, you know, as a youth pastor, uh, that's serious, you know. I, I want to make sure that they get the most important message that the universe has ever seen. And so that when our students grow up and they graduate from high school and they go into the universities, they have that foundational understanding of the gospel that they can build upon in their lives. And, um, you know, and hopefully, ultimately, they have a relationship with the Lord through the gospel. But this is, this is what we did. And, and you know, some, some of the students who might have been uh, newer, they had little to, to no understanding of the gospel. Um, some students had, most students had a fairly good understanding of the gospel. Um, but there was only a few students, and this was the pattern that really surprised me and, and really kind of got me on this kick of the resurrection. There was only a few students that, let me say this first, I would ask them, I would say, explain to me your understanding of the, of the gospel um, as if you're just talking to, a, uh, you know, ex as if you're just explaining it, or if you want, as if you're sharing it with a non-believer. And, you know, they're kind of the same thing, but that way they didn't feel it was so uh, formal or informal. And so um, I was surprised that um, most of the students either neglected or de-emphasized the resurrection. And I had seen that before, not just, not just in, in youth group. And so we spent the, the, the next few weeks, and we just actually finished up. We're going we're gonna to do a couple more things in the next couple of weeks with the resurrection. And specifically the gospel, but... Um, kind of elevating and, and um, emphasizing the resurrection. And uh, I lost my place in my notes here. Can you guys follow this? It's like an essay. <laughs> Who wrote this? I was putting this together, and I was like trying to figure out which page was going to go where, and Katie looked up at me, and she's like, are you doing the Macarena? And I was like, and I was like the, go you know, the gospel Macarena. <laughs> Jesus was buried, Jesus died, he was buried, and oh, whatever. I'll work on it and bring it back to you later. But essentially, I kind of got on this theme of wanting to, um, not that it's like, you know, this big campaign or anything, because a lot of people recognize the importance of sharing the resurrection, but I kind of got on this theme, uh, of this desire to resurrect resurrection evangelism. Um, the enemy, he hates the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And he wants to keep us from sharing it. But I think that when we do share it, he wants to keep us from sharing certain things. And I think uh, the thing that he wants to keep us from sharing the most is the resurrection. And I've heard, I've heard the resurrection-less preaching from others. I've read gospel tracts that neglected the resurrection. And, uh, and several times I've failed in my own evangelism to mention the resurrection. 
But when I have preached the resurrection, the, the result is, has been very powerful. The resurrection is powerful. When I've shared the message of the resurrection, a few examples here, it silenced the objections of a gay woman on a, on a plane, on a flight, stumped a reformed Jew in the park, surprised a philosophical and atheistic young adult at a memorial service, perked the interest of uninterested students in a classroom, caused serious questions from a scared young man caught up in gang activity on the street, provoked thoughtfulness in a passive employee at a, Christian, at a Christmas tree farm, and led a, a belligerently hostile Wiccan man to crying in my arms in the middle of a department store. People, you know, people are afraid of death. And that's, this is why the resurrection is so powerful. People are afraid of death, and, and they should be. Death is a fierce enemy. But the Bible says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 15. 54 through 57. This, it all brings us back to our original text and the main, the main point. This is the main point that I hope you guys get out of this for your living and for your preaching. It all comes down, it all comes down to two options, to this, two, two options. Either Christ raised from the dead or he didn't. Either he raised from the dead or he didn't. If he wasn't raised from the dead, then get out of here. <laughs> Good night, you know. What, what, why are we here if Jesus hasn't raised from the dead? There's no reason to be sitting here. Paul says this in, in our text. He says, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then my preaching is useless. Your faith is useless. I'm a liar, and so is anyone who talks about uh, and preaches uh, the name of Christ. Again, our faith is futile or useless. We are still in our sins. Our loved ones who have put their faith in Christ and have died are lost forever. And we are to be pitied more than all men. In other words, we're the biggest fools on the face of the earth. But if Christ was raised from the dead, the implication is that the opposite of all those things is true and, and much more. And Paul says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And I'm convinced that the, that the evidence confirms that in many ways. The apostles were also, and the early church were also convinced, obviously. Luke records that after Jesus, after Jesus' suffering, he showed himself to the apostles and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. And Paul notes that Jesus appeared to many people, including more than 500 believers at the same time there in 1 Corinthians 15, the early verses. And look at all these proofs uh, for us. And um, you know, feel free to study these, because, but these are things that you can mention when you are sharing the gospel with people because it's going to be hard for them to swallow the pill that somebody actually raised from the dead. But there's good evidence, and I believe that the evidence leads to the conclusion, the only conclusion uh, that's possible is that Jesus did raise from the dead. Here's some of the evidence. He appeared um, 
He appeared to doubting Thomas and made him believe, believe in John chapter 20. He appeared to his unbelieving brothers. Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him until after the resurrection. How is that possible? If they never believed in him all the way till, until he died, why would they come to faith um, afterwards? It could only be because of the resurrection. He appeared to Paul, a hostile unbeliever who came to faith. Paul was uh, uh, arresting and persecuting Christians. After Jesus died, how, did, how could he come to faith if he was so violent against Christianity right, right after Jesus died? It could only be because Jesus was raised from the dead. His tomb was empty and still is. Talk to Mike D. He stood inside of it, visited it. The church immediately exploded in growth. That wouldn't happen unless Jesus had raised from the dead. Thousands of Orthodox Jews who observed the Sabbath began to worship on Sunday rather than on Saturday. And, uh, you know, they, because of their faith in Christ. The resurrection was the central message of preaching in Jerusalem and beyond. That was the whole thing they were talking about, was the resurrection of the dead, Jesus and the resurrection. And this is my favorite um, proof. The disciples were turned from fear and doubt to boldness in their preaching and stance in Christ even if it meant loss of life. Now, this is crazy. Think about this. The, the Christians, the early disciples, the apostles, they were willing to die for their faith. Now, that's not unusual. People die for their beliefs all the time. People of other religions die for their beliefs. Uh, people that are um, protesting um, political uh, things die for their beliefs. But here's the difference. The early apostles and the early church, the early disciples, they didn't only die for what they believed in. They were afraid and doubtful until Jesus came back from the dead. So that tells us that if Jesus didn't come back from the dead, the disciples wouldn't have died for what they believe in. And if, and if they did become bold and in their preaching why would they go to their death if they knew that Jesus hadn't raised from the dead see that's the difference people believe uh, people die for what they believe in all the time but nobody's going to die for what they know is a lie that would be crazy crazy people do that the disciples the apostles the early church they might have seemed crazy but they weren't crazy the fact is that Christ is risen. There's many more proofs too, and there, there's a great um, there's a great scholar named Gary Habermas who has done a lot of work on the resurrection. That's basically his main thing, and he has developed this thing called the minimal facts for the resurrection. And he has twelve facts about about that that are proofs or evidences for the resurrection that even liberal critics will consent to as a historical fact. Um, not everybody will look at those evidences or those facts and come to faith because Jesus said uh, in Luke, he said, even if somebody was to raise from the dead, those who are hard in their heart wouldn't believe. And so that's really the issue is an issue of the heart. But there's plenty of proof that Christ is risen. And the truth of the resurrection gives us power in our living and power in our preaching. Christ is our Lord, our God, our Redeemer, and the giver of true and lasting life. And Jesus said, 
I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He said, do you believe this? So, never mind Bob. It's not, it's not about Bob. It's not what about Bob. It's what about you? <laughs> that's the question, and that's the movie that's being played out in your life. What about you? What do you say about death? That answer lies in, in who you truly believe Jesus to be. Do you believe he's just another dead prophet like all the rest? Or do you believe he's the risen son of God? Beliefs affect behavior. I really believe that. That's why I'm up here behaving in the way that I am. <laughs> Beliefs affect behavior, and you can be sure that your true belief will make itself evident in your practice and in your preaching. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I thank you so much for the fact of the resurrection. What great hope and peace and joy come from knowing that my life is wrapped up in Christ and Christ in God and I am safe for all eternity and I can live this life with confidence and boldness. I can live this life free from, from sin if I trust in you and abide in you. I'm no longer under the the penalty of sin and all of all of these things have been proved and validated through the raising of Christ from the dead what a wonderful miracle and uh, so Lord as we as we reflect in these things on these things in our hearts and our minds the rest of the week I pray Lord that you would impress it upon our hearts to not have fear not give way to fear in situations in our life not to hesitate when we have the opportunity to share the truth about who you are and what you've done to others. You've given us a simple way to do it. People are afraid of death and you've solved the problem. Either Christ raised from the dead or he didn't. We believe that he did. Help us, Lord, to be bold just as the early church was to share that and to live it out. We thank you for these truths. In Jesus' name, amen.